All right, let's get out to the Sprint special guest line. Joining us now from The Athletic, college football writer, he is Stuart Mandel with us on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Stuart, good afternoon. Thank you so much for a few minutes. How are you? I'm great. How are you guys? We're doing well. And, Stuart, I know that you, you uh, your specialty is college football, and whatnot, but I'm curious to know, have you ever been so mad? Have you ever been mad enough to throw a baseball over the center field wall? Hmm. I've been pretty mad in some rec league softball games, to say the least, but I, I can't remember doing that exactly. That Trevor Bauer thing is amazing. Yeah. Isn't it? He threw it a long way. Um, Stuart, want to start this off by congratulating you and the Athletics. Uh, of course, the stories uh, all over the internet today. Half a million subscribers. Uh, I know you were in on the ground level on this thing, the All American section, and uh, basically the the whole college football arm. So, hearty congratulations to you and your coworkers there at the Athletic. It seems like uh, this thing is is already quite successful thank you very much yeah i, I joined about two years ago and we were at the company was around twenty thousand subscribers at that point so it's been pretty cool to watch it grow uh as, as rapidly as it has and and we're really grateful to everybody who has signed up uh over the last two years Stuart, I really enjoyed your story that you wrote about the future of college football and realignment and all the various possibilities and whatnot. That's a, man, you really did a lot of research on that. I compliment you on that as well. Thank you. We did a whole series last week on um, called Realignment Revisited, just because I knew uh, from my interactions with fans that it's the one topic, even when there's nothing going on, people still ask about it. You know, I get mailbag questions every week about what's going to be the next big realignment wave. So uh, we did about 20 stories last week looking back at the events of 2010, 11-ish. And then, of course, my article was looking ahead, and obviously nobody can predict the future, but at least laying out some possibilities for what uh, that next big uh, shuffling might look like in a few years. So if slash when that happens, the next uh, realignment shuffling, what um, what is going to be the driver behind that this time? You know, we, we were so familiar with the, the television money and that sort of thing the last big time. How is that going to change this time? Well, I, you know, television money will always be what these schools are thirsting after. But what's changed, obviously, is, you know, in 2010, 2011, um, the philosophy was still very much about how many cable households can you deliver? Because everybody was either had just started or was about to launch a conference cable network. And uh, cord cutting has progressed rapidly since then. Uh, ESPN's lost about 15% of their subscribers, but streaming services are taking off. And so I know that the commissioners who have TV contracts coming up in four or five years um, are, are drooling at the possibility that, you know, it won't just be ESPN and Fox bidding on your deal, it might be Amazon, it might be Hulu, it might be Netflix. So uh, I think the the driving factor there will be what's the most compelling lineup of games on a weekly basis you can tell these companies that you're going to be able to provide, whether that's better non-conference games, better conference games. Um, and in that case, as, as people said in the article, it's not so much about geography or market size. It's just which brand names will, will make our product the most compelling. I thought that was interesting when you mentioned Disney, that Disney usually doesn't get involved in things unless they think uh, they're going to be serious about it. And you're right, that's just going to drive the money up. And colleges, if they play this smart, are just going to make more and more money. Yeah, and you look at right now, the Big Ten, which did their deal with Fox and ESPN two years ago, and they're now distributing to their schools over $50 million each, which 
I, I not that long ago, it would have been a lot for the whole conference uh, to make in a year. And yet, you know, I talk to people whose job is to, to study TV rights for a living. They help consult the conferences on these things. And they say relative to the, to the NFL and certainly the NBA, which college football is actually more popular than the NBA, uh, their TV value, deals are still undervalued. And part of that is that they they do sell them conference by conference. They kind of sell them piecemeal, whereas you know the NFL has one TV deal, and if you don't get it, you if you don't win it, uh, in whatever year that's coming up, you're not going to have another chance for however many years. So, one of the scenarios I threw out, I don't know how realistic it is, is for the whole Power Five to to come together and sell all their games collectively. Um, but, but whatever the case may be, I do think that all parties agree that there's more, there is more money to be made in fact that they've been leaving money on the table. From a Pac-12 perspective, what are some likely motivations for them? And if, uh, I mean, are they going to be looking to expand or stay put? Or where? And Larry Scott has been aggressive in the past. How does he play into all this? Well, I think the first question that we don't know the answer to is, will Larry Scott still be the commissioner in <laughs> 2023 when they'll be uh, doing these deals? You know, he's obviously uh, has, uh, you would say his share of critics, but it's really the whole conference uh, fans are critics of his. So will he be the one leading that or will it be somebody else? Um, and then what will the president, uh, you know, the presidents of the Pac-12 have for the most part been fairly conservative, though when he first got there, he convinced them to make that really ambitious run at Texas and Oklahoma that was signed off on by the president. So um, they are in a, still in a position, they're in much the same position now that they were then, where they've fallen far, very far behind the other leagues. And I think that if it is him, uh, that he will want to do something aggressive again to try to, uh, to, try to add value to that conference. Because right now, the 12 schools that they have, there's a couple big brands, obviously, USC being the most notable. But this is not like the Big Ten or the SEC, where TV networks... I want to show half the teams or more on a given week. They're really only interested in those top two or three programs, and most of the Pac-12 just doesn't draw eyeballs nationally, even when they are fairly, uh, even when they are, you know, relevant nationally. A real twist, Stuart, in your story that uh, I think most people don't really consider was not banding together, rather splitting apart. And you talked about various marquee football programs, schools that might have a lot of value without having to drag the Washington states or the Oregon states or the lesser teams in their conference along with them. Most people think of independence as being uh, a negative. Uh, You're saying that potentially under certain scenarios, it could be a big uh, boon for various teams at various schools. You know, one theory is that because of the changes in technology and the fact that you aren't necessarily going to have to sell your rights through a middleman uh, going forward, that a Texas or an Oklahoma or maybe even a USC could try to go the independent route. Obviously, Texas already has its own network. Um, You know, would they be able to pull that off? Would they be able to put together a compelling enough schedule? That's a good question. Uh, And then, you know, people are always talking about, well, the Power Five is going to break away from the NCAA. They're going to do their own thing. Well, if something like that happens, I don't think it would be the whole Power Five. I think, the, like you said, um, if I'm USC, if I'm Ohio State, if I'm Michigan, and I'm looking to just purely maximize my profits, I'd be better off playing a schedule of just those teams and not, you know, Purdue or Illinois or Oregon State or any, any number of those schools that aren't really moving the needle. Uh, so that was one scenario I threw out there as well. The college football premier league, top 25 or 30 ish 
programs break off and do their own thing. Just in football, you know, I think in the other sports, they still very much need their conferences and, and the rest of Division One. Stuart Mandel from The Athletic with us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. What should BYU fans be rooting for to happen to best position them going forward? We ask you this every time you come on, Stuart. Yeah. Yeah, I don't have a – and I have the same answer I've always had for the most part. But, you know, obviously if the Big 12 or the Pac-12 decide to expand in this next go-around, I think BYU will always be one of the first schools mentioned. I mean, at the end of the day, they are a Power 5 program in terms of uh, fan support, stadium size, TV ratings, uh, in in every respect. They just don't have the affiliation yet. And then, you know, I think that a scenario like the one I just described where there's consolidation would actually uh, be in BYU's benefit. And I say that because it's no secret that, um, you know, like I said earlier, the presidents make these decisions and there's factors well beyond TV ratings. You know, it's, it's academics, it's uh, what do you have in common? BYU is so unique. They're a religious institution that you know, I think it has caused, uh, you know, it has always been a, a holdup in terms of the PAC, what used to be the PAC-10 and now the PAC-12, wanting to get in business with them. So if college football ever went just purely commercial and formed some sort of coalition where it wasn't no longer about, we're not pretending this is about academics, et cetera, um, you know, then you'd be talking about just which are the best brands that I want to have in a television package, and I would argue BYU is is pretty high on that list, higher than probably, you know, 30, 40, maybe even 50% of the current Power 5 schools. Wow. Going back to your scenario of just taking the super programs and putting them together, um, when, I, when I read that, Stuart, I thought – Okay, I wonder how that would affect interest in college football because obviously people are around the country are interested in those top programs. And for all intents and purposes, those programs are the ones that dominate anyway. So maybe it's already that way because those are the best programs. But I, then I thought, well, what about the teams that are like the 30th best team and the 35th and the 40th? Would that diminish interest in college football if those fans felt like they were left out of that kind of equation? Yeah, it's an obvious um, it's, an, it's an obvious problem. I know a lot of fans wrote in saying that if I'm gonna if we're gonna do a Premier League, there has to be relegation and promotion, like in soccer. I think that would be I don't know how practical that is, but that would be fun. But you know we, we're seeing this already. I think you know with the since we've we've uh, since the playoffs began four years ago, you know clearly that has taken over the sport. The, everything you, the entire conversation on ESPN by the time you get to maybe early October, who are those four teams going to be? And as we know, it's a pretty finite number of schools that realistically are competing for one of those four spots. And then that's taken a lot of the the shine off the other bowl games. And if you're one of those. You know, schools I was mentioning earlier, I'm not trying to pick on Purdue, but they're a good example. You know, they have a decent fan base, but they're probably never going to be a national championship contender. A good season for them is to go to the Outback Bowl. And suddenly that's become less important. So I think the sport has that that problem already. Are they going to start alienating, you know, fans of the schools that are not the Blue Bloods? But the the real factor that we haven't mentioned that could really affect all of this is are the athletes going to be paid and sometime in the near future? And, you know, that that's something the NCAA is actively exploring right now is the not paying them salaries, but allowing them to, to make name, image, and likeness money. And if that day comes, that's only going to further widen that gap because there's only so many schools that can actually afford to do that. 
uh, a lot of them would have to make a decision at the point whether they're even going to try to continue to compete with Texas and Ohio State and those those schools that can easily afford to do it. Stuart Mandel with us from The Athletic, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Uh, you mentioned in your piece about Larry Scott. He's been progressive, and sometimes that's worked out for him, and sometimes it hasn't. Well, his latest idea is possibly to start games at 9 a.m. Pacific time. What do you think about that? Um, I have mixed feelings about it. I can see why. When I first saw it, I thought that's crazy. There's no way they would ever consider that. Uh, then, then it became apparent that they are serious about it, um, and that some of the coaches support it. Now, I think we can all agree that would be the worst thing that could happen to the fans who are actually attending the games. Um, you know, tailgate, tailgating suddenly becomes like a half hour before you can get a half hour in before you got to get to the stadium. Um, but I think one of the, you know, biggest frustrations with the conference with the fans right now is the lack of exposure. You know, the Pac-12 network is not in enough households. And 10.30 games kick off at 10.30 p.m. Eastern, and fans, you know, on that half the country are asleep. So I don't there's any question it would help with exposure if those games are on at the time of day when the whole country can watch them and when they're not going head-to-head with the SEC game on CBS and the big ABC primetime game, whatever that may be, in a given week. So the question becomes, what are you – who are you looking to serve more, TV viewers in Oklahoma or your own fans who go to the games? Uh, I think you got to be very, you need to be very, very careful about that. You don't want to alienate your own fans at the at the, you know, for for the purpose of getting higher TV ratings. That's a great point, Stuart. And with the way attendance has been declining, what is it down ten percent over the last uh, while or so? I mean, that's got to be some concern to the schools. Yeah, I mean it's it's. I think this past year was the biggest, um, or I'm sorry, the lowest average attendance in about a decade. It's been trending that way for a while. Now, John Wilner, my friend at the Mercury News, does a great job covering this and is very much pro 9 a.m. kickoff, wrote today, pointed out the attendance is already bad at a lot of these schools. It's not how much can it possibly hurt them? UCLA's are only filling, you know, half it's half the Rose Bowl on a given Saturday. So, you know, there's arguments to be made on both. I definitely think it would be more problematic for Utah. Uh, Oregon, Washington, the schools where they are packing the stadium. And, you know, uh, Washington and Oregon in particular, uh, tailgating is such a huge part of the atmosphere, the the game day experience there. But if you're Cal and you're only filling half the stadium already, uh, if you're UCLA, if you're one of these schools that has attendance problems already, maybe you think it's a worthy trade-off. I'm not sure. Of course, if you believe Pat Fitzgerald, you can blame it on technology and the millennials who uh, live their lives through their phones and their computers. (laughs) When he said that, I thought, you know, some of that's true, but there's also a whole bunch of other things that need to be taken into consideration as well. It it was an epic rant. It was was all true in terms of just the fact. I mean, I'm guilty of it myself, spending way too much time looking at your phone. (laughs) But no, the attendance problems in college football are bigger than that. And there's a reason, you know, today... Alabama and Wisconsin announced they're going to be doing a home-and-home. Who would have thought five years ago Alabama would agree to travel to Madison, Wisconsin for a football game? But, you know, everybody, Alabama included, is starting to recognize that if you want to fill your stadium, you can't just play random FCF teams. You can't just put anybody on a schedule and expect people will turn up. You have to actually give them uh, a compelling game that they want to watch because if you don't, they're going to stay home, turn on their 80-inch television, and flip the channel to any of the 15, 20 other college football games that are on at that time. 
Stuart Mandel from The Athletic with us on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Stuart, folks around here pretty excited about the Utes' chances in the Pac-12 this year. They were picked first by the media at Pac-12 Media Day. What do you think uh, about their opportunity to live up to that hype? Uh, it's exciting for them. I mean, I, I, I knew they would be uh, – I mean, I knew I considered them to be a, a team that had a great shot to win the conference. I just didn't necessarily realize they would actually be the team picked to do that at Pac-12 Media Days. You know, back in the spring when I was doing my top 25 coming out of spring, uh, I ended up having them the highest of the Pac-12. Had the fewest question marks, and that defense will be loaded. There's no question. Uh, you get back Zach Moss. You get back a really good quarterback. Um, there's a lot to like about Utah. I think the only, you know, the biggest question now is this is a program that has always thrived being the underdog um, and, and being written off. And how will they actually handle going into a season where they're actually being at least slightly more respected than Oregon and Washington, two programs that have obviously uh, gotten this done at a high level much more recently. Utah is a good example, Stuart, of a, a program that has been built through the years. I mean, Ron McBride started it, and then Urban Meyer did what he did, and Kyle Whittingham through the conference change and all that sort of thing. It's a program, I think, that's on the rise. In your experience covering college football, have you ever been able to figure out how programs do that? Um, they're very unique, you know, and in that realignment package we did last week, we wrote an article declaring TCU the winner, the winner of conference realignment, but it's really not, their story's not that different than Utah's. They both have gradually over the course of two decades and a lot of success with frankly, the same coach for most of that period, um, have, have eventually been able to crash the party and, and not many do, uh, for the most part, the power five schools are the same ones that were 20 years ago. So, you know, obviously it starts with a really good coach. Um, and then the question is, how do you continue on it after they leave? And I think that's what's pretty amazing about Utah. And I would say the same thing um, to some degree about Boise State, though they obviously haven't moved up, is that you would think when, after what Urban Meyer did there, that he left, things would, would fall back to earth. But Kyle Winningham just picked it up and ran with it. And, you know, when Chris Peterson left Boise State, people were concerned they would, that would be the end of the Boise State run. But... You know, Brian Harson's done a really nice job there. Uh, that's the challenge. Anytime you see, uh, for instance, uh, you know, UCF, are they going to be able to keep this up? Or was this just a Scott Frost thing? You know, anytime a program has a transcendent coach like that, that's the challenge. And that's where Kyle Whittingham deserves all the credit in the world, you know, both in terms of, uh, I mean, first getting them to that undefeated season in 08, shortly after Meyer left. And then obviously, you know, it's been interesting to watch them get into the conference, have to build up the, the roster and the depth and, you know, after gradually building it, actually getting to the conference title game last year. And when you ask Kyle about it, of course, he doesn't toot his own horn and say, well, we built a program because I'm a great coach. He always says recruiting, man. That's what he says. It's recruiting. If you recruit well and you have a decent organization, you're going to win. I mean, he should get a lot of credit because, I mean, look at the constant um, – the churn he has had over the last several years over offensive coordinators. It's not like, it's not one of these staffs where everybody's been in place the whole time. There's been a constant turnover on his staff and, and they change conferences and the success is, has continued. So obviously that starts with what he has instilled there. I think one of the more amazing things is that, you know, you think about programs in the country that always have good defenses that never have a slip up on defense. It's basically, you know, Alabama, uh, a couple other Clemson, a couple other, and Utah. 
you know, they never have a year where, oh, they're not that good this year on defense. Now, they've obviously had problems on the other side of the ball. But the, the pipeline or the assembly line he's built on defense is pretty special. Real quick before we let you go, uh, Stuart, uh, we got the news from The Athletic a couple months ago that Chris Camerani was going to jump on board to cover the University of Utah. Any chance The Athletic will expand in the future, maybe to cover the Cougars or the Aggies? I'd love, I'd love to do that, especially BYU, because we know they have such a large and rabid fan base. Uh, we've gone from my first year, there was only one college beat writer in the whole company, Ari Wasserman, who covered Ohio State for the Cleveland site. Then by the next year, we had, I believe, 18. And we're going to go into this year with 30. So we're, we're, we're expanding. <laughs> we're trying to expand as quickly as we can. It takes a long time. So if we didn't get to them this year, Hopefully we get to them next year. So, Stuart, have they given you kind of the liberty to build this thing out uh, and use some of your thoughts as far as getting this thing where it's where it's going? Oh, yeah. I have to give many, many thanks and credit to our founders, uh, Adam Hansen and, and Alex Mather. I mean, this was this whole thing was their vision, but they fully understand that, that people like myself or Seth Davis, the college basketball, you know, we're the ones that have been in the business for so long and and they trust our instincts a lot. So, I, I, look, I've made plenty of bad decisions during that time as well. But uh, I take credit for, for one thing the most of all, and that was bringing Focalini onto the site. Um, that, that has paid <laughs> off big time. I, I, his columns continue to uh, amuse me to no end. But, uh, no, they, they've been great. If anything, it's hard to keep up with them because so, they are so ambitious. Uh, I didn't think we'd be anywhere near 30-something beat writers at this point in time. But... But here we are. Uh, it makes the off seasons very interesting. That's that's for sure. Well, congratulations on all of your success. Uh, really enjoyed uh, your piece. Uh, would encourage all of our listeners to go read it. Five scenarios for the future of college conference realignment. Stuart, thank you very much. All right, guys. Thanks so much for having me. Stuart Mandel joining us here on ninety-seven five and twelve eighty. The Zone does a great job at the Athletic. Yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, I thought that he. Uh, he underscored what's going on with the Utes pretty uh, pretty well there and with a great compliment to, uh, to the leadership. And, of course, he joined us on the Sprint special guest line. Uh, customers can get the fantastic iPhone X for 50% off with Flex Lease. Visit the local Sprint store near you. We'll talk about a few things Stuart had to say coming up right around the corner as we continue to talk uh, college football as camps open this week. Gordon, pretty crazy. Football almost here. Reporting tomorrow? In some cases. Indeed. Hmm. So it's it's coming. We'll have more straight ahead, 97.5 and 1280 of the zone.